Open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host of Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Mitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. Bienvenidos uh, a la podcast. <laughs> I hope that's right. We've got another great interview here. We've got Jose Rodriguez. Uh, he's partner at Unisend, which is a Latin American Bitcoin exchange. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. So can you give us a little bit of your background with Unisend? It's uh, exchange, Argentina yeah. and Mexico, and yeah. you're in the Mexican part? That's right. We uh, Unisend started in Argentina in January. It was a first exchange over in Argentina. I went to visit Argentina in March because uh, at that point in Mexico, there weren't any exchanges. And I was looking for business opportunities and, and to bring exchange to Mexico. So I met uh, most of the community over there in Argentina, and I met Unicent. And uh, when I spoke with them, they wanted to expand to Latin America. And one of the first countries they were looking for was Mexico. So I became a partner, and we finally opened uh, for life trading in October. Okay, so you were telling me earlier you're currently uh, at City, and the annual AML KYC stuff came out, and you're like, all your friends at City were like, oh, it's mentioning Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you guys take AML and KYC serious. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, I mean, you, you obviously read the report. Yeah. <laughs> What, what type of challenges do you see with that, like with Argentina and Mexico? I mean, are there challenges with the AML, KYC? Uh, for Argentina and Mexico, we are doing a similar AML, KYC as they do, for example, in, in stockbroker services or any financial services. We ask for their uh, government-issued uh, identification. We ask for uh, proof of their residency, which is uh, less than three months. And we ask for either their... They call it population ID. Yeah, down in Argentina. Yeah, in Argentina and Mexico. In Mexico, it's called the Purpura RFC. It's uh, all of your information that if you're being taxed, and plus your ID, plus your your proof of residence and your address. What type of uptake are we seeing? I mean, have you got bank accounts established? Yeah. Do the banks know that you're working on Bitcoin stuff? They're comfortable with your AML program, things of that nature? Yeah. In Argentina, we actually had an issue. In neither Argentina or Mexico, it is allowed or there are warnings from the government. And they actually closed our accounts in, in May, our bank accounts. Uh, it's classified as digital assets in both countries and they closed out our accounts because the government issued a report that they were going to ask for extra information for all the activities involving bitcoins for the companies that had banking accounts so that was going to bring up their costs for a business that's not so big so they closed our bank accounts and we just uh, had them back like two months ago in, in argentina on the other side of mexico uh, i've gone to the mexican central bank with the head of payment systems because they are the ones that issued the warning in, in Mexico. I went and I invited other Bitcoin players in Mexico. We had a meeting 
and they told us that they weren't going to ban it, they weren't going to regulate it, they were just going to be uh, watching it closely and watching what the community was doing and that they were liking what we were doing and that we would have to be cautious of our having a good AMN KYC program so anyone that is actually involved in criminal or money laundering would not use this uh, as, a, as tool. a tool. What type of uptake are we seeing in Mexico? People like their Bitcoins there? Are they able to buy tortillas with them? No, not right now. Adoption is still a challenge in Mexico. What about remittances from the U.S., for example? Remittances is a business everyone talks about. It's one of the main incomes in U.S. dollars for Mexico and one of the main incomes for, for different states, for the families. Uh, the challenge there is in remittances, firstly, is in the U.S. you need uh, your licenses, which right now there isn't Oh, anymore. to actually get... For people to buy Bitcoins. Yeah, for money for money transmitting this, services. This is really interesting because I I think it might have been Gallup. It was one of the large major polling services, and they found that the demographic that had the greatest knowledge of Bitcoin and the demographic that was most familiar with how to use it was the Hispanics. So I would think if they knew what it was and, and knew how to use it, then... They were probably using it, right? Actually, I would think. Actually, there was a report in, in the news uh, like about one, two months ago, and they said that Argentina was in the top 10 of the Bitcoin users in the world. Wow, and, top 10. Yeah, and Argentina was in the top 10 because of all the restrictions they have placed in their regulatory and financial system of their devaluations and their inflation. So they're using Bitcoin as an escape to get uh, dollars. They have this uh, strange control in dollars which only the government can sell. There's You yeah. cannot go to the streets and buy dollars. So they're using Bitcoin as a way to use what they call the alternative uh, exchange rate that they cannot buy from the government. It's like 50% of the, what it's sold in the streets. So it's an exit door for them from their pesos. And they're able to buy it with their electronic bank accounts down in Argentina? Or? We use the electronic bank accounts for transfers. We have bank accounts in, in Mexico and Argentina. And we also use uh, payment processors. Okay. So they can actually go and pay in cash. And afterwards, the payment processor makes the transfer up to us. Obviously, they charge for this service. And there's some customers that would rather pay in cash and use the services, despite the costs, than use the, the banking system. Very convenient. System. Yeah. Besides convenient, uh, another problem with Argentina is that if you have, for example, an income and it's not reported to what would be their IRS, they freeze the accounts and they have a, a very... The bank account? Yeah, they, they, they freeze... But, but you're already collecting CID numbers. Yeah, but it's not about us, it's about the banking account. If you have an income, any income must be reported to, to the local IRS. So <laughs> we, we know how well the Argentines as a country comply they, with that. They're, 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 they're getting strangled. <laughs> I have quite a few friends in Argentina. They say we have three national pastimes. Football, steak, and taxes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's ever-changing. It's... I mean, Mexico, you see the, the the rules and regulations changing every one, two years, but there isn't so drastic changes. In Argentina, you're seeing a very fast-paced changes because the government wants more and more. When they're on the verge of hyperinflation, yeah, too. You look at right. what their central bank's been doing. You look at the, the federal judge in the U.S. that said they had finance. to pay these bondholders. 
Like it is, it is unbelievable. They're actually like threatening economists with like jail time if they state what the actual inflation rate is. I mean, it's really kind of crazy. Yeah, it's it's like Mexico twenty years ago. Mexico used to have this uh, also hyper, not hyperinflation, but they had high inflation. But mostly they had uh, devaluations every six years. So every six years, you know that the Mexican peso was going to worth 50% or 30% of what was worth. So right now, what I see in, in Argentina is what happened in Mexico in the 90s and the 80s. The problem with Argentina that I see is that in Mexico, it happened like every six years. But they had two years of crisis. They had two years to recover and two years to get back up. And then another would happen. What, well, the problem that I see now in Argentina, it's, it's, it's taking so much time and it's not getting better. And it's really hurting the economy and hurting the man on the street. So when you're saying that they're able to acquire their their bitcoins, what what, a little bit of a premium, a lot of a lot of is it still profitable for them to be moving through Bitcoin, moving their capital out of Argentina? Like, can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, is there like what's the deficit look like in terms of their bitcoins go in, but none of them come out of Argentina? Is that kind of what's happening? Well. The only cost, for example, that we charge on the platform is 0.6%. And after that, with the Argentina Preso, unfortunately, you have one certainty. Every day it's going to be less valuable. So there's many people that would rather buy the Bitcoins and send them to lock it up in, or, or buy U.S. dollars and prefer the Bitcoin volatility against their constant evaluation of their of their currency. So even with Bitcoin going down in value from last year, it's probably still outperformed the peso. It's probably the peso, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Oh, man. Yeah, so as you said, they have a very high inflation and they're constantly getting devaluated. I think this month or the last month was the first month in many years that the Argentina peso revaluated. So it's constantly being devaluated. So it's the first little bump and bump the up. Yeah, but... Well, what are we seeing in terms of a Bitcoin economy growing down there? I mean, are people using Bitcoins to settle domestic trade? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, BitPay has established in, in, in Argentina to look to, towards their Latin American expansion. There are another service that right now is looking for merchants to adopt and accept payments, a local Argentinian company. Many brokers that are also looking for a way to make an income and, and to create this economy. So oh, I bet there's just a ton of opportunity for them with arbitrage and like taking the boats over to Montevideo. And, I mean, there's just a ton of opportunity for them to hide in the crevasses and yeah. just pick up a little bit of bips here and a little bit of bips there. Actually, we, we opened also uh, another branch in, in Uruguay, which isn't still working. And one of the objectives is it's very hard to get money out of Argentina or in. So uh, Bitcoin is one way. The other way for the money transfers was going to be Uruguay. That's why we also chose. It's their neighbor. Many people go there to escape their Argentina peso. So one is a dollar. There's a, what they call a black market, but it's actually not a black market. It's, just, it's a it's free a market. market. It's and a they call market. it blue market. <laughs> and they call it blue money. But it's because the government won't sell you and not only dollar, they won't sell you any other currency. They, they trap you in in the Argentina peso. So they go to other countries or they buy in the streets. Yeah, and I think last time I was there, I exchanged like $50. And I had to give my passport to who knows who this, yeah, this exchange was. 
Uh, no, I, I went to one of the official Cuevas. stores, the Cuevas, or, uh, the official store, and like I slide my passport under the bulletproof glass, and I'm like, I just want fifty dollars for the pesos to buy my my carne asada. There's only two ways. It's one of it's called arbolitos, which is people the little there, trees. Yeah, they're yeah, like people in the streets casting cambios, 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 and the other, as I say, the caves, the cuevas, where you go, and it's like an established. Uh, well, no, no, I went to I went to the legal one. How long ago was it? Oh, this was maybe like, uh, well, I went last year to the Latin American Bitcoin Conference. Okay. I, I exchanged some officially down there for that one. I've been down to Argentina quite a bit. Uh, it's very interesting. It's and a beautiful country. I, I love Argentina. I It's very beautiful, as you said, and, and there's lots of opportunity. And it's like what their government is doing is making an economical and political and social experiment. Which, Suicide is what yeah, the government's and, doing. And, and that's what is, it's accelerating Bitcoin, to use it as a real alternative for the economy, as a real alternative for a currency establish so that is also why it's in the top 10 and it's also why it's adoption is getting more accelerated that's very exciting bitcoin is más rápido in argentina yeah. <laughs> i mean what, what i like about bitcoin is and for every country and for for every place that you go it solves or helps in a social or economical problem so even if it doesn't exist for example in mexico there's opportunity for in the, like in the remittances and the in argentina it's an escape so you can use it as a tool for whatever means you need. Yeah, I I had a friend. Her mother sold the like the family home back in 2010, and you know they sell it and get cash. But that cash is like you know seventy thousand dollar home. It's probably two or three thousand dollars now if they're holding on to the cash. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's really really sad to yeah. think about like just how fast the wealth is getting transferred because of this currency devaluation yeah. on there. I mean, you, you literally can't hold Argentine pesos. It's In the U.S. The, and the, in Europe, the merchant adoption, they immediately change the bitcoins into dollars or euros. But down in Argentina, you're saying we're seeing people get pesos and immediately turn them into bitcoins yeah. because the next day their pesos aren't worth anything. And also what amazed me when I went there is you actually went to fancy restaurants, nice places, and they wouldn't accept you credit cards or debit cards. And, they, and I said, why aren't you accepting it? You're, it takes too like long. A, it takes too long. Me, yeah. Because the bank won't pay me in 30 days. And I have only one certainty. In 30 days, my money is not going to be worth what it is worth now. And I have to pay. So they're actually driving people into a cash-based economy yeah. and causing the velocity of the Argentine peso to speed up as a result yeah. of all this. Yeah, because it's very interesting. We're seeing the opposite effect in the U.S. with Bitcoin because the merchants are driving more adoption, so the velocity of Bitcoin's increasing, which is decreasing the demand for Bitcoin because the merchants sell it, but it's also de decreasing demand because velocity is increasing. You know, we, we kind of take for granted that if it takes five days to move your money from PayPal to your bank account, well, that increases demand for dollars for those five days. We very rarely kind of look at the demand side of the equation for currencies. And so in the U.S., the velocity increasing is actually depressing the price because of this transfer into uh, Bitcoin into dollars from bitcoins but down in argentina we're seeing the opposite where the demand for argentine pesos is decreasing at such a rapid race and increasing the demand for bitcoins uh, so as the velocity picks up in the bitcoin economy down there it's going to just further its use as a store of value 
Is, is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, and also, besides that, also the cost. For example, in, in the U.S., as you said, you, you use it to pay and, and for merchants. And what you're using is that you're decreasing your costs. So that, that is the opportunity that is, I guess, why would you use a credit card when you can pay with BitPay and it's going to be 0% in Mexico too? When you get people to get to know Bitcoin together and they 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 see that you're going to have an extra 3% income because instead of getting the credit card, you're getting this. But you don't have those problems that you get charged, you get deposited that day or the next day. You don't have that problem. Same day, like, yeah, yeah next day, day settlement next with day credit card settlements. Credit cards in, in Argentina, you have that problem. There's a well, huge, they increase that bigger, flood to take advantage of the devaluation. To have your Bitcoins to get outside of, of the peso and also to, to use it because the cost that they're taking down is not as important as the losing of their value of money. What do you think is going to happen down there in Argentina? Is the population as a whole going to migrate towards something like Bitcoin? Or are they just going to do this again like they always do? Because mm -hmm. down in Argentina, it is not uncommon to see three or four currencies listed on the menu, for example. I mean, people down there, they just think in terms of four currencies. I mean, Americans, they think in terms of only one currency, even when they travel somewhere, because yeah. they expect that place to accept their dollars. Yeah. But down here, we're, we got four currencies just by default. Yeah. So people down there kind of understand this. They've done it before. They've played this game. It's just, where do you see this kind of playing out for the Argentines? I, I think that, it, that it's going to make uh, for it to be the, the Latin American country that's going to take it mainstream first than any other because of this whole challenges that the economy is taking. I, I I don't see it. Um, I don't see it slowing down. I see every time more people getting to know Bitcoin, and it's not also like the normal profile that you have. That it's people that like technology or finance. That it's between their twenties, thirties, or that got involved. But you're getting people that it's a different profile. You're getting uh, the the father, the mother, the grandfather, whatever person that gets to know Bitcoin, and they, they give you and this is an alternative of people that want to get out of the Argentinian pesos or want to get dollars. This is another way that you can do it. And I think that services, uh, besides uh, the ones that is cashing in, everything's done cash, like BitReserve and Coinapult, will will have once. They get to be known. They're, they're, they're going to have a, be a big demand. A, yeah, because yeah, because I interviewed uh, Justin, the chief operating officer at Coinapult, and I've I've also interviewed Housey Miner, the CEO of BitReserve, mm -hmm. and I, you know, for other podcast episodes. So people who want to learn about those, go listen to them. But I think there's a lot in their business model that really serves these types yeah. of markets. One phenomenon that we see and they, is... And they so, have to have Bitcoins to get into yeah, or out of these right. particular services. What I was seeing the first time I went to Argentina is people getting uh, U.S. dollars account from people they knew or from family. And they asked them that, oh, if you have a U.S. dollar account, please let me use it so I can open my Bitstamp account. I won't touch it. I won't transfer. I'm just going to open my Bitstamp account and lock the price to U.S. dollar. That's what they're doing. So they will avoid all this uh, all turmoil. The, yeah. <laughs> and instead, using Coinapult. Actually, we we have spoken with, with Coinapult, and we are going to integrate it in Mexico and Argentina. Mexico, it's going to be more like a curiosity, something to have it more to speculate or for fun. But in Argentina, it's going to be something that they're going to use to really have their value of money through time. 
persist. Yeah, in, in Mexico it's a curiosity, but in Argentina it's a necessity. Yeah. You know, a lot of people just take for granted, at least in the West, take for granted that their currency is good, their banks are good, but nothing focuses the mind like a good old-fashioned bank run. And if we can couple the bank run with a currency crisis, oh boy, then it gets really, really fun, doesn't it? You saw it in Spain, you saw it in Cyprus, and in Latin America, you you are seeing it in Argentina, and you're seeing it in Venezuela. Oh, Venezuela, yes. And more problems are coming now that as Mexico, I mean, Mexico is uh, not so much dependent, but oil is still one of their biggest income. But they have diversified. But when you go back to Venezuela, when it's one of their main incomes and they have so much a big subsidy in gas, they're going to have a huge deficit and a huge devaluation. And it's happening. It's worse than Argentina. Oh, yeah. And now that's going to hurt not only those countries, but it's going to hurt the whole of, of, of Latin America, but mostly Venezuela and Argentina and Mexico. That's also part of the problem that uh, they had this current last two weeks devaluation. Well, Mexico is going to get hit big time because Pemex uh, contributes so much to the federal budget, right? Yeah, that's right. It's one of the main incomes that they have from taxes. And besides that, they also have uh, lots of employees. I think there's over 1 billion pesos paid for their employees as uh, their normal paychecks. So it's, it's a big part of the economy. It's a big part of income in U.S. dollars besides remittances. And it's also uh, one of the main incomes for the government. So right now, they changed the law also in Mexico. So it's getting opened up for private companies. So there was a lot of resistance because it has always been government control. But this also will help you have more companies, more employment, and better prices for the consumer. Yeah, so besides just the increased velocity we're seeing in Argentina and the real necessity for the demand, what else are you most optimistic about in the whole Bitcoin space? Well, I like the community. I've always seen it like it's one year ahead of all Latin America, including Mexico. There's a big community. I mean, the event that we're doing, it's partly done by them. And they did another conference last year. And they're working to get known and and for people to start using it as an alternative, to start using it as a currency, to start using it as savings, to adopt the technology. And what I really like also... In Argentina, you go to their Facebook groups, you go to their Reddit, they go, you go to anywhere. And the most interesting uh, talks that you see about Bitcoin and the development and written material come from Argentina. So actually, in Mexico, there there isn't so many uh, uh, participation and so many uh, content being placed in Spanish. We're just starting doing it. I have been involved with the other exchanges and company to try to do events and written content, but you're seeing mostly coming out from Argentina. And most of the companies that has gotten funding and most of the companies that are being exposed are from Argentina and, or people from Argentina or people from Argentina that like uh, the technology or how they use it. They're getting employed into this company. So they are the ones that are getting to get the technology besides the currency and their uses to get known and the content in Spanish. If you have many people that don't know English and most of the content is in English, there's the first barrier to get to know Bitcoin. Right. And, you know, isn't it great that we can have people performing their freelance work and get paid in Bitcoin because right. uh, Argentines got their PayPal accounts shut down from yeah. what I understand. 
And there are a lot of talented graphic artists and programmers in Buenos Aires. It's an 18 million person city, yeah. and they can't get paid from abroad anymore, but they can with Bitcoin. Yeah, I, I, I see lots of talent in Argentina. And besides, they are accepting as freelancers Bitcoin. It's an alternative, and also the wages, because of all these problems that they have in the economies, is so low. So you can have a really good person, a very good programmer, that will be valued like four or five times in the U.S. Like for the same job, they will be paid three, four, five times more for knowing what they want, for knowing what they know. So you you have all this talent that it's not being used that you can go and find in Argentina. Yeah, get a good deal. A lot yeah. of them speak English. Yeah. Uh, it really is uh, quite an opportunity. And then if they're getting paid in Bitcoins, they are a happy, happy camper because that immediately gives them a solid store of value compared to what they've got otherwise. And if it's not coming in through PayPal or credit card or whatever, I mean, I was talking with someone last year at the uh, Latin American Bitcoin conference. He had a hotel and he said, depending on how somebody paid him, Uh, whether it was a credit card or cash or a $100 bill or pesos, he got between 1,000 pesos and 1,500 pesos. Because if it came in through credit card, it had to go at the official exchange rate. You had taxes automatically taken out, income taxes automatically taken out, exchange fees, transaction fees, like all this stuff. So you only got 150 pesos. So yeah. there's 85% arbitrage opportunity yeah. between the 1,000 and 150. It's yeah. really quite insane when you think about it. And so, you know, he would be happy to take 500 pesos yeah. as opposed to 150. It's three times more, more than three times more than he would otherwise get. But it's still half of what fair market value probably is. That's one of the best promotions that you have when you hear about getting paid in Bitcoins. If they pay you one peso, you're going to get one peso. When you tell them besides that it's going to be next day, they're accepting it. I saw that there are even some taxis that are starting to accept Bitcoin payments. Oh, that's ironic because last time I was there, I took a taxi. And I went to pay with my with my dollars. He said he didn't no, take he didn't dollars. And, or if they and take I, it, they were taking an official, which you know you're going to yeah. lose 50% of your money. There. Well, he actually dropped me off at an ATM. I had to go <laughs> over and get my pesos out of the ATM. And I was quite annoyed, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I thought that everybody took dollars. Every, yeah. Last time I was there, everybody did. But whatever. This is just a fascinating discussion. Uh, we could probably go on forever. Is there any, any last thought you'd like to leave with the audience? Well, we're going to make an event in February. It's going to be in Acapulco. It's going to be hosted by Jeff Berwick. Oh, I sent him his first Bitcoins. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, oh. I taught him all about it. <laughs> oh, I'll tell him. He's a very good friend of mine. Yeah, just, and, just mention me to him. <laughs> and um, we're going to have this event. He's hosting it in Acapulco in Hotel Copacabana. It's going to be the last week of February and the first day of March. Uh, it's going to be most into their libertarian anarchist scheme, but it's also going to be some Bitcoin speakers. Roger Bear is going to be there. Uh, there's other two Bitcoin speakers, and I'm going to be one of the speakers. So it's a good opportunity for people in Mexico and all over Latin America to know what is happening. And not only what is going on in the news, what is great about Jeff is that he's been there for eight years. Right. And he knows how things are around the world. So 
most people think he's crazy when they tell him, come to Mexico, it's much a freer country than the U.S. or Canada. And when they actually come, they'll find out. So th th that is going to be one of the events that we're going to have in Mexico, which we expect to be big and for people to see what is going really on in, in Latin America and mostly Mexico. Yeah, that sounds really fun. And, you know, just on that comment, I've driven all around Uruguay, been to Paso de los Toros, I've driven to Resistencia, Salta, Córdoba, San Juan, Mendoza, uh, Ushuaia, Bariloche, like Chile, Santiago, Concepcion, so uh, all over. And it is, it is so pretty. And, you know, my personal favorite is Chile. Yeah. I, I just love Chile in Latin America. It's just gorgeous. I feel very safe there. Um, And it's, you know, a lot of people just think it's the jungle down here. Oh, They think, like, there's monkeys and you're living in, like, teepees and stuff. And, and it, that's just not how it is. Like, there's a lot of money down here. Yeah, I, I, I love living in Mexico City. It's, there's always something to do with such a big city. But I went to Chile, to, to Santiago, six years ago, and I fell in love with the city. I said, one day I would like to work and, and live here. And well, in March when I went to Buenos Aires, I saw it's also a very pretty city. It's it's very unfortunate what's going on with with their economy, but it's the people, the city. It's it's great, and it and it works. Besides everything that is going on, things get a way to find its way around. Yeah, it's interesting. You look at the architecture and everything in Buenos Aires, and you know, in 1905, people went to Buenos Aires or they went to New York. And Buenos Aires was one of the richest cities in the world. And then they passed the equivalent of the bit license. And Argentina has just never, ever recovered from it. Never. And unfortunately, that's the direction the U.S. is headed. They're $18 trillion in debt. They're trampling their, their financial services. They're, they're stifling their tech industry with these national security letters and things of that nature. Chile is becoming one of the major tech startups of South America. Yeah. So, you know, it's very exciting. If young people are looking for, like, you know, looking at where they want employment or jobs or where to go to create a life, and they're in the U.S. with the unemployment rate or even worse over in Europe. like and FACTA. <laughs> and FACTA. Yeah, don't even get started on yeah. FACTA. But, you know, they might want to consider to broaden their horizons. The U.S. is on this trend. It doesn't appear to be like it's going to get yeah. fixed. And no. so, you know, Definitely. do like your forebears did and get up and leave and go somewhere where there's more freedom and more opportunity, yeah. whether that's Chile or Mexico or Argentina or Uruguay. Uh, some of these places. It's really quite exciting. You know, when young kids in the U.S. are kind of whining to me about the, the state of their jobs or their employment, because I just saw, like, for the particular age demographics over the last seven years, wages are down 20% for people 34 and under. So when my peers are whining about stuff, it's like, well, why don't you just leave? Yeah, and besides that, getting an education in the U.S. is a really big investment, and you're going to get into a huge debt. And if there's no way you're paying that back... You are starting your professional career with a huge debt and a huge loss that you have to come to it. In addition to the loss of the 18 trillion debt that you're going to have to pay and like the inflation and like, you know, all these problems, like, like why deal with that? Just leave. Yeah. You know? And also something that people get amazed when they come to Mexico and most to Argentina and Chile is living and your expenses are so little. Like what would you call poverty in the U.S. Getting a 
uh, $1,000 for your expenses, you can live and eat well in, in Latin America. Oh, and the food down here is just, oh, it's tremendous. Yeah. Like last night, oh, the ribs and uh, at a churrascaria. And yeah. oh, my goodness, it was so good. Oh, it, I mean, the remolachas, those are like beets and you got carrots and like, oh, man, and, it, and you eat, it's real. It's not plastic eat, food. And you eat and drink really well for half or a third of the price of what you would eat in the U.S. Yeah, and you know what? Like, look at Japan's economy. You, you want to know what happens when the young people leave and stop having kids? Like, it's Japan. And unfortunately, the U.S., the marriage rates are down. The birth rates are really down. So if you stay there, you're just going to be carrying a heavier and heavier burden as the years pass by. You know, just leave and go create a life somewhere else where there's more freedom, more peace, more prosperity. If you're unhappy with your current station, it, you know, but don't don't just sit there and whine. You know, you got to build a solution. And you're the only one who really cares about your life. These bureaucrats like Ben Lasky, they don't care about your life. Yeah, no. They don't care about your future. That's also something interesting that people like Jeff, Doug Casey and other people that has gone out and found what was going on in Latin America and telling them, like, open your eyes, go really and look what is going on there yourself. This year, besides having the exchange, some people uh, contact me through local Bitcoins to sell me Bitcoins against pesos. And most of them are foreigners. And they told me, well, I heard it's really pretty and really cheap here in Mexico and Latin America. And I want to get to know these places. And uh, last week, for example, there was this journalist. He told me that he wrote for, I think, on Telegraph or Coindesk. And he told me, I want to go live to Acapulco for a year. He came from Canada with a friend. And they told us, we rented the place for $400. We are having expenses for other $400 and we're going to live with less than $1,000 for the next next year for a month. And we're going to be living here and, and surfing. People. Yeah, <laughs> surfing and having a good time. And most of the foreigners that contact me to sell me bitcoins in cash come here to Mexico to start uh, like their Latin America trip to see where can I go besides the U.S. It's not as dangerous. It's not as risky as they say. Actually, it's very pleasant. And it's very pretty. And, they, and he told me, wow, I thought that there were going to be gang wars in the streets. And I see so much green in Mexico. And I, everyone treats me nice. And yeah, they see me strange because they tell me gringo. But no, <laughs> no, no one treats you bad. Every, everyone helps you out. Yeah. And actually in South America, uh, there's a lot of Italian and German influence. And so in a lot of cases, until you open your mouth and you don't speak Spanish, like you don't look out of place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mostly in, Ar in Argentina. Yeah, I saw, I saw that too. Bitcoin is such a liberating force in that sense. You don't need a bank account tied to an address anymore to keep yeah. the vast majority of your savings. I mean, you can do your freelancing work on uh, on the Internet or programming or whatever it is. You can do that, get paid in Bitcoin. Yeah. You can be living in Argentina or Chile. You can be taking advantage of this geographic arbitrage. What I mean by that is if you earn your wage in one income or one area of the world that's higher then and then your your living or your expenses are in an area of the world that are lower then you actually have geographic arbitrage that you're able to take advantage of and you can accumulate wealth a lot faster and the US tax code incentivizes this there's a foreign earned income exclusion so the first i think it's $99,000 of income no taxes on it as long as you're outside of the US 330 days or more 
Yeah, and that's also what's going to be great. One challenge that we still have is, like you said, like receiving your wage and having, if you're a company, a merchant, to having all your employees, everything in a Bitcoin economy. And you're going to be living real in this alternative economy that's actually working and growing. And you see this more adoption than what's going to be the real incentive to going back to a government-issued uh, currency that is having, unfortunately, very irresponsible use. So... That is when it's going to be really interesting. In one, two years, when you see that the companies that are Bitcoin companies, everyone's getting paid in Bitcoin, and all the local restaurants that they have around are accepting Bitcoin, and they travel in Bitcoin, and, and all the places they go, they're accepting Bitcoin. So you're going to wonder, so why should I go back to using the peso? Why should I go back to using the dollar? And hell no, I don't want a bank account, an Argentine bank account with a CID number. Like, hell no, I, I'll just have my Bitcoins and I'll meet my buddy for steak and he'll give me some pesos if I need them. Like, that's how it's really beginning to take shape and work. And, and as I said, the biggest risk the regulators see in Bitcoin is money laundering. Uh, as we were speaking, unfortunately, what most money laundering, laundering is being done is in the real financial system. Oh, yeah. Well, you have to have the big banks complicit in your money laundering like HSBC or Wells Fargo or Bank of America in order to really do it on a good scale. <laughs> and they even have a provision there for fines and they're going to be paid because they're going to be frauds. They're going to be money laundering. So it's part of their day to day operation. So it's very sad that instead uh, they can try to do whatever controls they want, but there's not a way to keeping this out. It's something that is going to happen, and unfortunately, you also have to see in the law what is the origin of these funds that they actually don't want. Because, for example, in Mexico, they say, well, the drugs is one of the biggest problems. Well, legalize it. I mean, it's legal in most of the U.S. states. Federal law, it isn't. But in state laws, it is. Yeah, like Colorado and Washington. Most of the states is legal. So if one of the worst problems is that they're making supposedly this war and, and they're they're getting so much income in dollars and they're laundering this money, well, if you legalize it, even for the government, it's going to be better. You're going to you have get more taxes. taxes. Yeah. I heard in the first or second year that they legalized it in, in, in California that they were comparing the taxes cut from the, from the legal marijuana sales to Starbucks. <laughs> so I said... It's, even for the government, it's great business. So you take one of the elements of money laundering and drug trafficking and whatever, you eliminate it and you convert it into an industry and you, you do whatever you want. You do it like in the tobacco or in the alcohol. You set this big tax if you want. But instead of people, corrupt bankers, corrupt politicians and criminals getting together and making this corporation and getting the money and power, well, you really create an industry that will help all the countries yeah and i think that's one of the reasons a lot of these states are are legalizing the drugs is because they have to financially and it's a huge industry i mean marijuana is the second largest cash crop in the u.s or something like that i have a friend that's a medical marijuana attorney and he's helping a lot of these companies become legit and hopefully go public and he says in mendocino county it's 10 to 15 billion a year annual revenue just from growing it and so it's such a huge industry it's really kind of crazy that it's not legalized yet <laughs> and know, taxed what's also real funny that for example in mexico it's completely illegal it's illegal in the states and it's illegal in the federal law and 
a big part of the budget yes. that Mexico uses for fighting uh, drugs and the resources come from the U.S. Oh, yeah. So the U.S. is having a peaceful experiment legalizing drugs in their country, and they're making Mexico have a violent experiment. Yeah, it is so violent. I mean, some of my ancestors were actually born in Colonial Juarez and Colonial Dubon background. They got ran out by Pancho Villa. So, I mean, Mexico's always kind of had a violent history with the Zapatas and things, but the drug war has just really brought a lot of violence to Mexico. 70,000 people in the last 10 years have been killed in it. And that violence is spilled over into the U.S., and it's going to just continue to get worse, and it's, and just it's, like with alcohol prohibition. Yeah, and it's the um, main income comes from U.S. consumers in Mexico. What I read funny that I, I want to get more in-depth is that they were starting to do it the other way. They were starting to smuggle legal marijuana from the U.S. to Mexico from the dispensers. So that is funny. They're going the other way around now. It's easier and cheaper to buy it over there and bring it over than to start the war here in, in the country so if you go from mexico to the u.s the border is close and you get stopped but from the u.s to mexico no one checks you really well i think it just highlights that just because something's made illegal doesn't destroy the demand for it yeah it just in fact makes it more profitable yeah. and in a way when it's a form of subsidizing it when you subsidize something you get more of it yeah. which is unfortunate because it's real people getting hurt and killed in a lot of these drug wars and it's destroying a lot of lives and it's very unfortunate Anyways, that's been a little bit way over time. We got we got very much distracted with lifestyle in Latin America and, and solving all the world's problems. But uh, Jose Rodriguez, partner at Unison, a Latin American Bitcoin Exchange in Argentina and Mexico. Thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, thank with you very us. much. Be sure to get a copy of the free Bitcoin Guide at freebitcoinguide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at Bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share Bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate. Yeah.